I believe it can happen just like that. A miracle can take place. If you're in this house tonight, physical problem, mental problem, spiritual, don't make any difference. Because he's in the house. Because the healer's in the house. Because the way maker's in the house. The one that can open doors that no one else can open. The one that can close doors that no one else can close. He's in the house. Bishop Odom to come. No, he has plenty of time tonight to minister and to God use him. Amen. He was... I started to offer him a watch up here tonight, but we changed our mind. <laughs> Amen. I want him. He knows. He knows. He's been doing this a lot longer than we have. <laughs> Let me say it's an honor ours to have the Spicer family with us. God bless you tonight for coming. Being in this service with us tonight. Appreciate you. Hallelujah. But as we all stand together and honor the bishop, the word of God tonight. And uh, we want to welcome him. We listened to coming home yesterday. Thank God for technology in some areas. We listened to Brother McCain. And then we listened to Bishop Odom. In fact, it was at the East Conference 2019. Yeah, y'all had a service. You had an outpouring. The blood. Preached about the blood. Well, when he said that this morning, I had all flooded in from yesterday. I'm telling you what, I could have had a Holy Ghost fit. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I figured, I thought, I said, I, I bet you Sister Moore and Sister Joy and Brother Buddy is thinking just what I'm thinking right now because we listened to that message. And I'm telling you what, I wasn't sure if Brother Buddy was going to pull over or not. <laughs> Amen. Wiping. I wouldn't look over there because <laughs> I was trying not to cut loose myself. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm telling you, it's powerful. Bishop, won't you come? You know you have the liberty in this pulpit. Whatever he feels to do in the Holy Ghost, I just want him to obey the Holy Ghost. Let's give Bishop Odom a good Bendel welcome here again tonight. God bless you. So let's clap our hands into the Lord. While you're standing, open your Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 3. What a joy to be back at Bendale, Mississippi. And I don't take anything back of what I said this morning about being back home and being among swamp people. That's a compliment, folks, I'm telling you. It's good to be back in my neck of the woods where my ministry first started a long, long time ago even though it was down in the Pascagoula Moss Point area. This is still my home area, and thank you so much for letting me come back. You know, I have um, a knack. You may not know this, but I have a knack of inviting myself back to churches that I enjoy. And I looked at Pastor Moore with these big sorrowful eyes this afternoon, and I said, can I come back? Something close to that. And so I'm planning on seeing you from time to time, the Lord willing. This I want you to hear me say that time is short. The end is near. If you're not right with God, procrastinate no longer. He's coming back for a church of people that's made themselves ready. What a great church you are. I spoke to my wife today after church, and I served up to her all the right things about how impressive you are. The intensity of your listening is important. And not only did you respond to preaching, but you listened to preaching. Now, for those of you that are already obviously concerned because I can see it etched all over your precious little face, I'm not going to preach as long tonight as I did today. Let me think about that. Uh, I want you to get your money's worth. Amen. Everybody doing good tonight? Why don't you turn and shake two or three hands?
Say praise the Lord to a few people. And I'd like to echo the words of my pastor, Brother Moore. If you're visiting tonight, I welcome you to this church. And if I was in need of a pastor, and if I was in need of a church, and if I lived in relatively easy driving distance, or for that matter, not so easy driving distance, I would consider making this my church. It's a blessing to me to go to churches from time to time that is led by anointed pastors. Thank you for the beautiful singing tonight. It blessed me so much. I pray in the name of the Lord for the Holy Ghost to help us. I pray in the Holy Ghost that you'll be encouraged. And I say that prayer. In Jesus' name. I read to you tonight from the writings of Paul, the book of Philippians, chapter 3, beginning at verse 5. Now, I want to establish something at the outset. This is a rare moment for Paul, talking about his life before Christ. He seldom did that, but he covered it comprehensively when he wrote the Philippian epistle and he breaks down his pedigree and I like to call it his resume. Listen to what the great writer Paul pens beginning in verse 5 of Philippians chapter 3. Circumcised the eighth day. Now those of you that don't understand ancient laws of Jewish circumcision. You weren't circumcised the seventh. You weren't circumcised the ninth. You were circumcised as a male little boy on the eighth day. So his parents got the infant off to a powerful, positive approach to be an all-American Hebrew. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted, would everyone say loss? Would you say loss? I counted loss for Christ. Verse 8. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but, would everyone say loss? That's his second time to use that word. I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered thee, would you say loss, third time, the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having my own Resume, pedigree, he just mentioned those things. Mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Before you're seated, I want to express 
a long ingrained pet peeve in my heart about some Pentecostal people. I don't have grudges, but it really bothers me to hear people try to tell me and convince me what all they had to give up to live for God. That bothers me. Let me hurry up and say the end of that. You had to give up nothing except your sinful life. I've had men to talk to me about giving up careers as bankers and financial advisors, corporate presidents, CEOs of successful businesses. I've had them to tell me they had to give up a promising athletic career to be a Christian. I give honor to anyone that gives up anything to live for God, but in the bigger picture of it all, none of us has given up anything to be saved. He paid it all for me. And the Apostle Paul certainly was not trying to take us down the road and with a pity party convinced that he had to give up so much to be a missionary, an evangelist, a pastor, preacher, a Christian. Three times he said, I suffered loss. I count everything but loss. It don't matter. That's all he's saying. And I want to teach tonight, and this could very well be a bit more pastoral teaching than camp meeting preaching. But I want to help you tonight with this Bible message entitled, Suffering Loss, But Not a Loser. You may be seated. Paul continues in Philippians, and he says, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full, to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And he concludes this masterpiece section in the epistle of the Philippians. And he says, I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. Somewhere, zealous preachers and teachers convinced generations past in the Pentecostal movement of the 20th century that once they gave their life to God, that all their problems were over. No more trials, no more temptations, no more slack spiritual moments, but that was a bill of goods that will not stand the test of time. You're not interested in, to hear it, and I'm not interested of telling you of how many times that I feel like that I have been somewhat of a letdown to Jesus. I should have done better. I should have taught better. I should have preached better. I should have presented the gospel better. I know what it's like to suffer loss. But without me, and if you weren't here today, you would have no clue what I'm saying. But don't look at me as Tarzan beating on his chest right now. I had to give up nothing to live for God. And neither did you. You see, to suffer loss is just a temporary setback. To suffer loss is a passing temporary test or trial. To suffer loss is a momentary despairing discouragement. But once you accept defeat and you quit, 
that means that you're crushed and that you're conquered and that you're demoralized and that you're dispirited and that you're demolished and that you're dominated and that you're hopeless and that you're subdued and that you're subjugated and that your life is a wreck and you're vanquished. I'm going to tell Bendale, get ready. If you go to the same heaven I go to, and I mean to go to the heaven, I'm going to turn my name in for special singing every church service. <laughs> I wish I could sing. Well, I tried it one time, and some precious old saint came to me after church and said, Preacher, please stick to preaching. So I'm not going to sing it, but what a beautiful song it is. He never promised that the cross would not be heavy and that the hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered me victories without fighting, but said, help would always be on time. Just remember when you're standing in the valley of decision and your adversary says, just give in. Just hold on. Our Lord will show up and he'll take you through the fire again. I want to verbally deal with what I think is a current debate that some of you are having right now in the chambers of your mind. I am not projecting that you're going to have hardships facing you. I am not predicting that you've got the fight of your life ahead of you. But I am predicting this, that if you hold on to Jesus Christ, you're not a loser. So many times I've questioned certain circumstances about things that I could not understand. Many times in trials and my weakness blurs my vision, that's when my frustration seems to get out of hand. It's then I'm reminded I've never been forsaken. I've never had to stand one test alone. That's when I look back at all my victories, the spirit rising up within me, and it's through the fire and through my weaknesses that I'm made strong. You see, there's a difference in a loser and a winner. A loser says, nobody will ever know the things that I do secretly. But a winner says, I'm not going to worry about it because I don't even have a secret life. A loser can always find a way to blame others for what's going on that's negative in their life. But a real winner says, I should have done better. I was wrong. A loser goes around his problems. But a winner goes through his problems. A loser says, I don't care what other people say because I'm not as bad as people say that I am. But a winner says, I'm not nearly as good as I plan to be. A loser makes excuses, but a winner makes no exceptions. <laughs> A loser does things strictly out of an obligation, but a winner does things out of a responsibility. A Pentecostal loser is unpredictable, but a Pentecostal winner is consistent. A loser does just enough to get by, but a winner demands excellence.
A loser will fight you at the drop of a hat. But a winner will turn the other cheek. A loser will go only the one required mile. But a winner says, how about two? You care for three. A loser will only give his coat. But a winner, brother, will give his coat and his cloak. A loser spitefully resents others. But a winner respectfully prays for those that despitefully use him. I feel like I've got some prepared statements that fits tonight because I'm as comfortable as I've ever been preaching. And when I get this comfortable... All heaven's about to break out. Well, you look disappointed. I mean, would I got a better amen if I'd have said all hell's about to break out? I feel good about what's going to happen in this place tonight. Don't be afraid to take chances. Fall in love at least one time in your life. Every second that you spend mad or upset, you can never claim those moments back. At the end of your life, it really doesn't matter how many breaths you took. I'll preach a sermon about that. But what really will matter at the end of your life is how many moments took your breath. It was said to me that when I was born on November the 22nd, 1945, that I was the only one crying and everybody else was smiling. But I've determined to live my life that whenever I pass on, everybody else is going to be crying, but I'm going to be the only one smiling. Let's have a little church at Bendale tonight. It's in order. Clap your hands unto the Lord. The Apostle Paul, in his oft writings, talked about his great sufferings during his star-studded ministry. He talked about being beaten with stripes above measure, but he also talked about, I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. He talked about being in prisons more frequent but that was not the end of his story. He also said, I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Uh, Brother Barry, he talked about being beaten with rods. But that wasn't the end of Paul's story. He also talked about, I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. He talked about being shipwrecked. But he didn't leave it at the shipwreck. He finished his story by saying, I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. He talked about the various perils of life, perils in the wilderness, perils in the city, perils among the heathen, perils among my own countrymen, perils among false brethren. Why, he could have built an entire life talking about the perils. But he didn't leave it there. He said, I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. He talked about being in weariness, in physical pain, in hunger, in thirst, in cold and nakedness. And if you would read just that and that alone, that's not much of an appeal for young men to Join the ministry. If it's going to be all that, count me out. But Paul didn't leave it with shipwrecks. And Paul didn't leave it with beaten with rods. And Paul didn't leave it in going to prison. And Paul didn't leave it in hunger and fastings and thirst and nakedness. Paul talked about those times of loss. But he finished his story by saying, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. 
Trust me on my research on this. When the devil took everything that Job owned, he took his sheep, he took his oxen, he took the she-asses, and he took the camels. I did some accurate research, even having the camel market called <laughs> in Cairo, Egypt, to get how much he lost in camel money and how much he lost in oxen money. Just in farm animals and farm implements alone, Brother Job lost over $5 million on today's market. He lost his health, scraping scabs from his skin. His so-called three lifelong trusted friends, and just so you know who they are, Bildad, Zophar, and Elihu, when they came to pay him a sick call visit, they concluded after just looking at him for seven days, Job, you are a big old hypocrite. You're living a double life and God's caught up with your act. And in all this, Job didn't curse God because he lost five million plus dollars with farm animals. Job didn't charge God foolishly because friend Bildad, friend Zophar, and friend Elihu told him that he was a self-righteous hypocrite. In his weakest moment when death seemed imminent, his own spouse, the mother of his ten children, said, Baby, well, that's what my wife calls me. Oh, come on, you theologians. Come, come here, come here. Okay. Job, if that makes you, baby, just curse God and die. And Job looking at three friends that turned their back on him and looking at pastors where there's no oxen, no camel, no sheep, no she-asses. He just buried ten children in one mass funeral. And this boy that suffered loss of everything. He still had enough strength to raise a bony arm. And he said, woman, you speak as a foolish woman. For the Lord gave it to me. And the Lord decided he wanted it back. My job is to let you know. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm preaching right now. If you want to talk about how tough life is, have a good talk. I'm not interested in listening. I've been sick. My family's been sick. We've suffered loss, and we have suffered death. But I've never known Jesus to forsake us. I've never known Jesus to leave us. But he's always been that promised help and that promised support. And I've come to tell Bendel tonight and to tell you individually, in the heat of your battle, the Lord is still the commanding officer. In the throes of your disease and sickness, he's still the healer of all thy diseases. I find it so interesting that Brother Ford made reference this morning in his part of the service about referring to lessons out of the book of Revelation, him not knowing that I was going to take my text from Revelation 13 and him not knowing that on these prepared statements I was going to refer to John who was in exile on the Isle of Patmos. The Bible would teach us a bit about John. He's the only one of the original 12 that died by natural causes. But because of his ministry and because of his Christianity, he was banished to a God-forsaken island of death by the name of Patmos. Patmos was 40 miles from north to south, 10 miles from east to west, and it was nothing more but an island of exile that enemies of the state of Rome were sent to. There they would die by natural causes. 
They would die because of exposure. They would die because of thirst. They would die because of hunger. They would die because of fear of being alone. They could see the scavengers circling overhead, just waiting for them to die. But instead of dying with dehydration and dying due to exposure, this was a tough time in Reverend Bishop John's life. By himself, no one to encourage him. Bendale was not there to say amen when he preached. There to die, skeletons and skulls lay bleached by the sun everywhere. Flesh-eating scavengers was waiting for one more victim. This was a lowly time in the life of John. And I've come to tell some man tonight, every time that you try to do something for God, you may find yourself being fought by the devil and being sent into some exile on some proverbial island of loneliness called Patmos. And instead of throwing his hands up and calling it a day, instead of throwing his hands up and calling it a ministry, hallelujah, instead of throwing his hands up and calling it a career, instead of throwing his hands up and saying, Jesus, we sure did have a good trip, didn't we? But I'm thirsty and I'm hungry and I'm exposed to the elements. And instead of giving up and calling it quits, Brother Ford, the Bible says of John, and I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. When the devil fights you with everything that hell has, fight him back. When the devil comes against your faith, rise up against him. When the devil declares that you are a miserable loser, let him know that you are a child of the king. I'm trying to hurry, but I don't want to get in such a big hurry that I miss something that's important in the Holy Ghost. By himself, dehydration by himself starvation by himself exposure to the elements by himself the next vi the, the, the next victim for flesh eating scavengers john decided to make it a blessing and i was in the spirit on the lord's day are you ready for the ford and i heard behind me as it was a great voice that said to me i am the alpha and I am the omega and I am the end and I am the first and I'm the last and I turned move your Bible and I turned to see that voice that spoke to me and behold I saw one the very day I was supposed to die because of exposure the very day I was supposed to get comfortable I'm comfortable the very day I was supposed to die of dehydration I decided to make the best of a bad situation I decided to have a little church and I was in the spirit on the Lord's day if you've enjoyed the doldrums God love you if you've enjoyed discouragement God love you but I've come to lift you up tonight and I turned to look to see that voice and behold I saw one walking in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks he was clothed with a garment down to the foot with a golden girdle around the paps his head and his hairs were white like wool the Bible says it as white as snow his eyes were like a flame of fire and I'm talking about this was supposed to be death day this was supposed to be loser day and his face was like the sun in his brilliance and in his right hand he held the seven stars and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword you may not know this but hell has put the death sentence on the apostolic movement in these last days you don't know who you're fooling with devil we're the blood-bought church don't let her run by herself
you're wonderful people. But I dropped a hint in my sermon this morning about this message tonight when I made a passing reference to an inferiority complex. I can't. I don't know how. I'm not worthy. I'm too much of a failure. I would to God that I could reach out this old big hand of mine and jerk this inferiority complex right out of your brain. I want you to know you're somebody. You're somebody. You're somebody. Be seated. Losers look externally. Winners look internally. Losers value popularity. Winners value character. Losers look at their mental intellect. Winners look at their heart. Losers value their education. Winners value their wisdom. Losers judge success by possessions and by money. Winners judge success by integrity. Losers talk about what they can get from somebody else. Winners talk about what they can give to somebody else. Losers want to talk about their accomplishments. Winners are not afraid to talk about their failures. Losers have a proud heart. Winners have a humble heart. Losers love quantity. Winners love quality. Here I go wanting to sing again, but better judgment says don't do it. So I'll do it like this. I was a loser without direction. I drifted so aimlessly on the backside of a place called nowhere. I was forgotten by humanity. When they talked about potential, they didn't refer to timid Floyd Odom. For everybody knew that what I was, that's what I would always be. But when Jesus found me lost and undone, he loved me not for what I was, but he saw what I could be. I want to preach a minute. Nobody clap your hands. He saw in you a Holy Ghost hand clapper. You don't need to let your hands lay dormant by your side. Don't nobody shout hallelujah. He saw in you a member of the hallelujah chorale. Don't let your voice be silent. He saw in you a leaper for joy. Man, that's old-fashioned preaching. He saw in you a leaper for joy. Don't you let the devil convince you that you're not good enough to shout. Don't let the devil convince you that you're not good enough to clap. Turn it loose right now. That you're not... Clap him in the devil's face. Shout in his face. I have quickly hopscotched through some comments about the Apostle Paul, the Patriarch Job and the Apostle John, but I want to bring to you for, the, for my closing comments tonight, which means nothing when I say that. I want to bring to you the man that was viewed by some, the greatest loser ever. But I will preach Jesus tonight as the greatest champion of all times. Isaiah prophetically speaks of him that who shall believe our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed. For when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and he's rejected of men, just a loser. A man that is born of sorrow and of grief, just a loser. He was rejected and we esteemed him not. When he was born in Bethlehem, some would say, that's a loser. He's going to end up dying a horrible death. But I want to tell you about the world's greatest champion. 
He's the king of the Jews and he's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness and he's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven and he's the king of the earth. He's the king of glory and he's the king of the saints. Last but not least, he's the king of kings. Doesn't sound like a loser. He's a sovereign king and there's no means of measurement to measure his limitless love. He is enduringly strong. He is entirely sincere. He is eternally alive. He is immortally graceful. He is imperially powerful. He is impartially personal. Doesn't sound like a loser to me. Well, look at me, buddy. I'm his son, and I took on his characteristics. He's the greatest phenomenon of the universe. He's the son of God. He's the sinner's friend. He's the sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest philosophy of all philosophers. He's the fundamental doctrine of all theology. You don't hear me. He and he alone is qualified because he's an all-sufficient savior. He supplies strength to the weak. He's always available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and he sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He raises the paraplegic. He puts demons to flight. He cleanses the filthy. He forgives the sinner. He discharges your debt. He delivers the captive. He defends the defenseless. He upholds the feeble. He serves the unfortunate. He blesses the... I've been waiting on somebody. What did you say to me? Did you say, come on? Well, I'm fixing to bring it on to you, man. Because he's the creator of Genesis. He's the Passover lamb of Exodus. He's the lifted up one of numbers. He's the high priest of Leviticus. He's the royal law of Deuteronomy. He's the commander in chief of Joshua. He's the great I am. He's the great I am. I sure do love y'all. But you look like I'm putting out of the Odin press release the latest news from Orlando, Florida, and Disney World. Man, I'm talking about heaven's press right now. God, I just saw that in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I'm telling you right now that all heaven's attention is on Bendale, Mississippi right now because we have developed a church age that we sing songs to ourselves. We preach sermons to ourselves. We teach lessons to ourselves. But on this, the 18th night of April 2021, country church, Bendale, Mississippi, all the attention is on the great I am. And as Isaiah said in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw, I just saw it. I just saw it. I, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Hallelujah. Take about 15 seconds and clap your hands because you got to sit down. It is incumbent on me with all the available dignity that I possess to fill a gospel pulpit to make a bold statement to this church. You don't preach Jesus the way I'm preaching Jesus tonight and it doesn't change your life. You don't worship Jesus the way that you're worshiping Jesus tonight and it doesn't shake your entire community. 
Christ said about his future death that if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Indeed, they lifted him up and they stapled his body to a Roman cross. They splintered his back with the splinters from the cross. They drove spikes in his hands and put a stake in his side. They spit on him and they ridiculed him. They had their day of lifting him up on the cross. Tonight, I'll lead a great band of Holy Ghost child of God. We're not going to put him back on the cross, but we're going to lift him high. We're going to lift him up. We're going to exalt him. We're going to adulate him, for he is worthy. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His salvation is eternal. He don't love you today and dislike you tomorrow. His love is consistent and his word is enough. His grace is sufficient. I kind of wish I, I did some research. I was taken to the campus of an Ivy League university a couple of years ago, Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut, and I had the privilege of taking a tour of part of the campus, and I was especially enthralled about the massive library of theology and divinity. And as I begin to consider the various and the voluminous numbers of encyclopedias and dictionaries, uh, the thought struck me. I wonder if I can find an Ivy League dictionary that will give a quality definition for Jesus Christ. And before I started flipping through Ivy League dictionaries, I concluded impossible because he is absolutely undefinable. Then when I paraded my way through volumes and shelves and rooms of Ivy League encyclopedias, I thought, I wonder if I could get an Ivy League encyclopedia that would describe him for me. And I concluded before I picked up the first Ivy League encyclopedia, that's impossible because he's absolutely indescribable. Later, I went down to Trenton, New Jersey, and I had a similar time to go by Princeton University. And walking on that Ivy League campus, I said, I would to God I could find a professor that could explain him to me. But all these college Ivy League professors are interested in is putting him down and trying to accuse him and diminish him from him. And before I walked off of the campus, of Ivy League Princeton my big old fat hands were slapping each other and I was saying what angel said glory to God in the highest glory somebody don't hear me preach glory somebody clap your hands glory glory to God in the highest Are y'all finished yet? I probably got the furthest drive home tonight. I noticed nobody responded when I asked, are you finished yet? Silence is threatening me. <laughs> Once you fully get him into your heart, since, I'm going to sing, bless the Lord, since Jesus came into my heart since he came into my heart I can't get him out of my mind since he came into my heart I can't get him off of my hands since he came into my heart 
I've determined that I can't live without him. And I know for a fact that I can't outlive him. The Pharisees and the Sadducees could not stand him. But they could not stop him. Herod couldn't kill him. Pilate couldn't condemn him. Death couldn't handle him. You know, I, I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm fixed to turn loose here and shout a little bit now. Herod couldn't kill him. Pilate couldn't condemn him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. He lives. He's alive. Sit down, I'm preaching. In Jesus Christ, a poor man has a chance. In Jesus Christ, a sick man can get well. Hallelujah. What was that little girl's name here today with the crutches? In the name of Jesus Christ. I'm preaching about a Jesus where a 12-year-old little girl can get well. In Jesus Christ, a poor man stands a chance. In Jesus Christ, a sick man. Yes, I'll say it again. I speak against cancer. I speak against coronary. I speak against afflictions. In Jesus, a sick man can get well. In Jesus, a dead man can be made alive. I said, in Jesus, an ignorant man can get wise. I said, in Jesus, a bad man can become a good man. I said, in Jesus, a good man can become a better man. He's the pearl from paradise He's the grand gem from the glory world. He is truth's fairest jewel. He is the choicest theme of all time and eternity. He's life's strongest cord. He's life's deepest tide. His precious blood bought my redemption from sin. And his blessed spirit gave me a new lease on life. His blessed name has brought me forgiveness. His blessed word gives me hope. His blessed presence gives me joy. And I'm not talking about what joy you can find at Walmart. Uh-oh. I touch the sacred cow of George County. I'm talking about his joy is completely and totally unspeakable. I'm talking about his joy is full, hallelujah, of glory. I've never been one to call for victory marches, and I'm not calling on one tonight. I've never been one to call about leaping for joy, and I'm not calling on one tonight. But one thing I've got to admit to you, I feel the Holy Ghost deep down in my soul I cannot help myself it puts a clap in my hand a pat in my foot a song in my soul I deeply appreciate this couple on the front you're not shouting in self defense are you like, if I don't shout, he's going to throw something at me. You kind of feel that Holy Ghost. I, I can't get your step, sister. I'm, I'm too bow-legged, I guess. But I just do this. I'm just gawky. Jesus, come on, folks. I thought you wanted a revival at Bendale. I just can't help myself. He changed me. Talking about the name of Jesus. Brother Pastor Moore, the name of Jesus is synonymous for free help. Yes, Lord, I hear that. 
I need somebody right now to stand to your feet and say, Jesus, be seated. His name is synonymous for free help. His name is synonymous for free healing. He never carried a medicine bag. You never met him at the emergency room. He came to where you were. The cancer couldn't be so bad that he being the head oncologist could not heal. The coronary disease could not be so bad that the head cardiologist, Jesus Christ, could not heal. The paraplegic condition of crippling disease could not be so bad that he, the greatest orthopedic of all, could not heal. You're not interested in me going down the steps of medical science, but I'll cut through the chase and tell you this. There's not a cancer. There's not a coronary. There's not a paraplegic disease. There's not an affliction that Jesus Christ cannot heal. said we're just getting started. You can tell he's not doing the work. <laughs> Stand up, Brother Barry. Jesus is adequate. Jesus is abundant. Jesus is abounding. Jesus is amazing. Stand up, young Brother Ford. Jesus is distinctive. Jesus is delightful. Jesus is dynamic. Brother Edward, if you can hear me, stand up. Praise God. Jesus is, in, Jesus is enduring. Jesus is effective. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is encouraging. Stand up, shouter. Jesus is faultless. Jesus is flawless. Jesus is flowing. Jesus is full and Jesus is free. And to be sure the women don't think I'm dis discriminating against them, stand up, sister. You're the one that started this tonight when you started that running around the church, by the way. It's all your fault. Feel like I better hush. You might take off again. Jesus Christ is generous, and Jesus Christ is gracious. Jesus Christ is gentle, and Jesus Christ is guaranteed. I would to God that I had a camera to take your picture right now. You look like you're in a state of shock. I'm talking about a Jesus that can do anything, about a Jesus that can do all things. I'm talking about a Jesus that is the cure of all diseases. I'm afraid I'm slipping. I've only got through page nine. I'll close with this. In his life, there was one thing that Jesus built. And that was his own church. And he promised that when he departed from his followers, he was going away not to build but to prepare. And I want all of you to know that are ready to, ready to raise the handkerchief of surrender and that the church is a loser. I hate to break up your party, but this church ain't about to backslide. Oh, no. Forget it. This church is not about to compromise. 
In fact, I told pastor this afternoon, get ready. I think we've gone full circle. I think we're going to get back to old-fashioned doctrinal preaching, old-fashioned worship, old-fashioned praying, old-fashioned. I believe this with all of my heart. For where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. Come down to the altar. Let me visit with you for a few minutes. Come on down. Come on, men. Bring your families. If you're visiting tonight, this is not a trick. If the visitors want to come down and stand with us, we invite you. You're one of us tonight. Come on down, men. Quickly into the aisles. I want to talk to you around the front. Hallelujah. I want to speak to you as a church. This is a word from the Lord that he has sent me to say to this church, but I know I will speak it to at least three more. He wants you to know that he's heard your prayers and he has seen the travail of your hearts. You've been faithful in this rural community. And as Christ came out of lowly Bethlehem, and as Christ came out of sin-cursed Nazareth, if you will it to be so, this church is going to be a great revival center. And from this church, there will be thousands, yea, upon tens of thousands people to be blessed because of your commitment. Now, if you will it not to be so, he'll give it to someone else. But I have found in this very church that which God is searching for that he will move in a dramatic fashion and he'll do a quick work in these last days. I'm asking sisters to join hands to sisters. Men, we don't hold hands. Go shoulder to shoulder. Throw your arm around a brother. Come on, men, go find a man. Hand to hand, sisters, shoulder to shoulder, men. We're going to pray right now in the name of Jesus. With a loud voice, lead us in prayer. With a loud voice, lead us in prayer. With a loud voice, lead us in prayer. Come on, men. I'm calling on you to be leaders. Push through push through come on sisters old-fashioned prayer meeting push through Let's swap up. Go find another prayer partner. Move around the church. Find another prayer partner. Come on, sisters. Holding hands in prayer. Come on, men. Shoulder to shoulder in prayer. Hallelujah. You're not a loser. We refuse inferiority complex. We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Hallelujah. Christ Jesus, the champion of all champions, has called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Set your feet on the pathway of life. Come on, men, lift your voice. Come on, brethren, lift your voice.
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want the brethren to greet the brethren. Don't leave anybody out. Come on, sisters. Greet the sisters. Don't leave anybody out. Come on, men. Move quickly. Let's be leaders. Greet one another.